Welcome to the first ever Cold Kiss podcast. My name is Josh and today we are joined by the brilliant Charlie Cooper from the equally brilliant BBC Three series This Country. It's one of those moments when everyone just stops and looks and my mind went... I know, I know every Fulham song there's ever been and suddenly for that moment I couldn't think of a song. First of all, thank you ever so much, Charlie, for, for having a chat to us. Let's start with this country. Um, absolutely superb show. Uh, massively, massively popular. It kind of came from nowhere, I suppose. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it did. It's, um, I mean, we started, the idea came years ago. I think about 2010. Um, it was just me and Daisy, my sister, who plays Kerry. We were just, we found ourselves, having gone to university and drama school, we just found ourselves living at home, basically with our parents in a two-up, two-down, tiny house. And it just started out of boredom, I suppose. We started talking about people we knew from school, little characters, and just trying to make each other laugh. And then it sort of, yeah, became a comedy show. I don't quite know how. <laughs> um, we wrote up like a rough script and sent it off to people. And then, yeah, it went from there. When Vicar went away, he left me his point of contact in the village in case of emergencies. My phone's just become a hotline for wazzocks. Monday, June's freezer defrosted. Fuck me, she was so hysterical you thought it was like a scene from Deep Impact. Tuesday, Arthur had four points of old Rosie at the ploughing match and was so pissed he was trying to open his front door with a pound coin. Oh, Thursday, the village hall got double booked and the Scrabble Club were absolute unforgiving assholes about the whole thing. By Friday, I was genuinely this close from just getting everyone in the village minibus and driving the wrong way down the dual carriageway. Just take everyone down with me. And so when it launched, did you have any idea that it would become as, as popular and as big as it, as it has done? No, not at all. I mean, we didn't have a clue how it'd go down. Um, I think because it was so specific and about a specific area of England... So we thought, oh, maybe, you know, only local people would get it or something like that. Um, but no, it's blown us away. Like, and the fact that we've been able to do three series in the end is just insane. I think we only have, we never really saw past the first series. Um, so, yeah, it's been a dream come true. And, yeah, just seeing people sort of respond to it from all over the world, which is amazing. So it's sort of transcends, which is great. So just, just really quickly, for anyone who hasn't seen this country, and, and that's probably quite a small number of people now, can you briefly describe what the um, show is? Yeah, it's about two sort of cousins, country bumpkins really, who um, live in a tiny village in the Cotswolds where nothing nothing happens and they're just bored really. <laughs> it sounds awful, but I like to think it's better than it sounds. Um, so yeah, it's just you know, we fo- it's a mockumentary, so we follow their day-to-day lives and see what they get up to and it's not a lot generally. And there are occasional references to football. Obviously Kerry is often in a Swindon shirt of some, some sort. Um, was that, yeah. Is that kind of deliberate thing on your part to try and squeeze a bit of football into the, into the show? Yeah, well, it was sort of... The, there was a girl in our town um, who Kerry was based on, really, sort of based on, and she would always wear Swindon shirts. You'd never see her in anything else. <laughs> right. Just sort of like old Swindon shirts. She probably never had enough money to afford the new ones, but she... You know, had one like ill-fitting ones from like her childhood, probably. But um, so when it came to like choosing costume for the characters, it just totally made sense. We wanted to create a a show that felt real and authentic, so we tried to stick 
to those, you know, the truth of it um, as much as we could. And also it just helps locate the show, I think, and you know exactly where it is in England, the show's set. So, um, yeah, and it's perfect for that character, you know, she's sort of a bit of a tomboy, but um, yeah, she has no interest in any other sort of fashion or clothing at all. There's a balance between being nice and being feared. Like Dr. Bernardo's, he was just too nice and not feared. So he just got overrun by orphans and everyone just took the piss. So, um, just to, just in terms of football, before we, we sort of talk about your love affair with Fulham, um, just more generally on football, because you are a proper football fan, aren't you? Yeah, obsessed. Absolutely obsessed. <laughs> and it's been, since um, the lockdown and stuff, I've just been climbing the walls. I've just been reading books about football, watching stuff on YouTube. You just I took it for granted so much when it was on. But, um, but yeah, I think my... It started probably Euro 96 for me. It was like my first major tournament. I was about seven. Yeah. And from then on, just became totally engrossed. It's just, it's the one thing in life where it just conjures up those emotions that you, you just don't get anywhere else. It's that euphoria and like the despair. It's just... And you're not a true English football fan if you haven't cried after watching England lose on penalties. <laughs> that's what I say anyway. So, and it, again, with major tournaments, I think that's a, an in for a lot of like, football fans. Because you know, you remember, you know, for watching each English game, England game, you know where you were, who you were with, what you were drinking. It's just, you know, my strongest memories are always football related. So, yeah, for me, it's just been, always been a huge part of my life. Do you have that thing where you, you can kind of remember things that have happened to you in your life based on football seasons? Oh my, totally. Absolutely. Because you watch Premier, pre, um, is it, was it Premier League years yeah. on Sky? Yeah. And it, was, it just takes you back to exact exact moment. And it's like even seeing a football shirt. Uh, football shirt, oh my God, <laughs> delete that. Football shirt, sorry. Football shirt, it takes you back to that moment or, you know, you, yeah, completely to a specific game or a player. And uh, that's what I love about it so much. Yeah, definitely. I, I, t- I totally know what you mean about the, the kind of lockdown and making you sort of value the game as well. I think I was watching Football Focus a couple of weeks ago and they did a, a sec- yeah. section on going over to Germany, actually. They were going, um, they'd gone to Union Berlin. Really want to go there. Yeah, same, same. And it was all about the sort of story, the history of the club, the recent history of the club and, um, and how football in Berlin has just, um, you know, suddenly kind of elevated a bit recently and yeah. I was just so emotional watching it I was like I'm an absolute mess <laughs> and I was thinking what the hell is going on is it I think I'm just missing football so desperately and you, you've been over you you go over to Germany occasionally don't you is that right I have yeah we went recently I went with um, yeah a group of friends just went, went to watch 8 and 60 Munich and um, uh, Bayern Munich in a weekend which is great amazing but we too, yeah, we, we've got, got a few friends. We try and do it sort of a few times a year, just go anywhere in Europe and watch a European game, um, which I love doing. Just seeing the different, like, football cultures. Yeah. It's just so good. And, you know, it's a completely different atmosphere um, compared to England. But, yeah, I mean, there's something about live games as well. I just absolutely, specifically, a way, like, watching Fulham as well. I mean, I love, I've got season tickets. So I love going to home games, but there's something about going to away games as well. It's just... Brilliant, going to a new place, new stadium, and um, yeah, like the train journey there. It's just oh, everything about it. I'm reading, have you read um, A Season with Verona by Tim Parks? No, I haven't, no. 
Oh, it's just about a guy who follows. It's about two thousand, two thousand one, and he is he's an author, and he follows um, Hellas Verona for a season, home and away, and he just writes a book about it, and it's just oh, I've just literally just finished it yesterday, and it was absolutely brilliant. So I recommend that for anyone really missing football. I was going to talk to you a bit about going away actually, because um, I read the I read a piece that you did, I think, in the Guardian, where you were talking about going away and how different and special it is and I mean I, it totally resonated with me because I, I'm a season ticket I'm an Ipswich fan I'm a season ticket holder of Ipswich but yeah and I go to obviously go to the home games and I love it but when you go away it just feels like anything can happen doesn't it it does I think it's when you're in the minority and it's yeah us against them and you're sort of backs against the wall and it's it's just and when you get a result it just means so so much more I remember a couple of seasons ago, me and my dad went to Preston away on like a horrible sort of rainy Saturday afternoon. It took us hours and hours to get there. And we, I think we won, and Mitrovic scored in the last minute, we won 2-1. And it's just, you can't, all the money in the world can't pay for that emotion you feel when, you know, the ball hits the net. It's just euphoric. It's just insane. But, um, but that's what, yeah, you can't, you can't get those sort of emotions anywhere else in life, really. There to be a hero in white. Johansson over it. Delicately in towards Mitrovic. He's done it again. Alexander Mitrovic. And, and just just moving on to Fulham. So I know you've been a fan for quite a while, and it's it's because your dad was a fan. Is that right? Yeah, sort of. I mean, he uh, when I wanted to get into football, he he took me there. He never really followed them, but he had seen them, you know, growing up and stuff. Um, he lived sort of near there, and knew it's sort of a safe place to take a kid, I suppose. So, but when as soon as I started, um, yeah, as soon as we went together, I fell in love with it and sort of became obsessed, and then got him back into it. And um, yeah, we've been going ever since, really. Um, that was about 20 years ago now so yeah and then up until the point seeing them um, win at Wembley two seasons ago being with your dad and watching your team win there was just so special so yeah it's been great Do you remember the first game? Uh, yeah it was a midweek uh, under floodlights Craven Cottage under floodlights so it's such a it's a beautiful ground I mean I'm, everyone says that about their own ground but um, and because it's a listed it's a um, Stevenage Road End is like a listed building now, so it's sort of it's so it's just iconic, and it was just yeah you know you you remember the, you know the steps you take up through the um, up into the ground, and when you see it for the first time, it was just yeah totally hooked. It's special, isn't it? And so you, how old have you been then? Ten or eleven? Uh, yeah, about that I'd say yeah. And I guess I guess in terms of being a Fulham fan, it's not a bad time to to be a Fulham fan because you had pre what's it pre ninety seven. Whenever Alpha yes, came. it wasn't exactly the most glamorous club to support. No, yeah, definitely. I miss the dark days, the really dark days. So it's been, um, yeah, compared to a lot of other football clubs, it's been fairly good to be honest. Not too many lows, although last season was a, probably the worst season I've seen in a while. But um, but no, it's been great. And then obviously getting to Europa League final two thousand ten, which that was like once in a lifetime. But I remember because I was, I would have been. 18, 19, 
and I had no money, so I, I couldn't go to any of the games, any of the away games, which is probably my biggest regret in life because that is never going to happen again. But um, did you go to the Juventus game? No, the, again, that was a, that was a, <laughs> that was the one game I wish I was at and I wasn't there. Um, it's, it's devastating. Yeah. Dempsey! Oh, that is a dream! Here surely it's a night that Roy Hodgson will cherish like no other. In two thousand and one. Ipswich got to the UEFA Cup as it was then. We played away into Milan, and I couldn't afford to go. And like ten thousand fans were, and I couldn't go. And I, I kind of at that age, you sort of think, well, this will probably come round again sometime. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so naive, so naive. It hasn't. <laughs> no, no, not for Ipswich, Christ. And so you're a season ticket holder as well, but you still you still live in Gloucestershire, is that right? Yeah, still live in yeah, Siren Sister. We sort of grew up. Um, but yes, yeah, go, yeah. It's sort of not far, really. It's about an hour and a half on the train. It must be quite a nice little journey on a match day. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I mean, I do love London. It's sort of a second home, but I think being able to come in and out and not have to live there is quite nice. So, I mean, and again, I'm a country boy, really, at heart. I'm bumpkin as well, so. <laughs> and presumably now you must be going to games and obviously getting noticed. Is That, that must be quite a weird thing, isn't it? it yeah, to begin with, I think... Yeah, people are bored of me now at Fulham. They don't give a, they don't really care. But um, to begin with, it was strange. I'd sort of, yeah, go into... The, the worst thing happened. I went to, I think it was this season, actually. went to away at Swansea. And I had a nightmare journey getting there. I was really late. And uh, got down into the concourse. And these sort of group of Fulham lads started singing, Curtain, Curtain, give us a song. And it was one of those moments when everyone just stops and looks. And my mind went... <laughs> I know, I know every Fulham song there's ever been. And suddenly, <laughs> for that moment, I couldn't think of a song. Oh, God. And I just, I felt like, oh, I just wanted the ground to swallow me up. And I, the, I was in the queue for a beer and I, I whispered to the guy in front of me, I was like, what, give, give me a Fulham song, tell me a Fulham song. And then he wasn't really a fan, he was just there with his dad or something. And he didn't know any, so I was like, oh my God, this is horrendous. So... I've got to, uh, yeah, I'm not, in, I'm not in the great books of Fulham fans at the moment. <laughs> um, and, and in terms of favourite players, um, I don't think um, I'm giving anything away because I think you've said this before, that your, um, your email address uh, contains the name, I won't, I won't give it away, but your, your email address contains the name of a, a favourite player of yours. Um, <laughs> yeah. what, to, to talk, us, talk us through you or some of your favourite Fulham players. So my all-time favourite is Brian McBride. Yeah. He was sort of a... An American striker, sort of a bit of a target man, good in the air. Um, I don't know why, really. I just, I sort of had a fascination with target men, sort of like big lumbering centre forwards. Now here's a chance as McBride arrives and finds the net. Manchester United contributing to their own downfall. But the veteran American, Brian McBride, has driven Fulham in front. He was brilliant. He just like... He, he was like a total professional and scored some really important goals for us in like crucial times. Um, and he, well, I think I remember going to a game um, about 2005, going to Everton away. We lost 4-1, dreadful game. And after full time, he came over to the away, um, away fans and threw his shirt into the crowd and I caught it. And he was already my favourite football player at the time. So that just totally confirmed it. I've still got it somewhere. It's got all this, like, sweat on it still. But 
Oh, that was God. the greatest that moment. Happens. That never happens, surely. I know. No, it, I've, honestly, that was the one thing I've ever sort of won or just... It was so lucky. I sort of pushed kids out of the way, trampling <laughs> on people, but I had to get it. But, yeah, it was worth it. I was going to say, because normally when you see the shirt go, kind of go in the crowd, it's like a, it's like a kind of free-for-all and people are just trying to rip it <laughs> out of it. But the thing is, no one goes to watch Fulham away, so there's about five in, five in the crowd, so... You don't have to wrestle anyone, to be honest. Um, but he, yeah, he was a favourite. I mean, I loved the uh, Tigana era with Louis Sahar and Burr Morse, Sean Davis. And that was a great time to be a Fulham fan. Played such good football. Yeah. They had just really cool players. Like, and then later on, a lot of French players. And uh, Tigana had a, he used to chew a toothpick. Yeah. Which I, I thought was just, I went for a phase of taking in toothpicks to school, but um, <laughs> I think they got confiscated in the end. But uh yeah, those are yeah, brilliant days. And it was sort of when football was changing slightly and um I think he was quite big on like the sports science aspect, a bit like the you know, sort of Arsene Wenger type and um yeah, it just felt so, you know, something was happening, something was changing and yeah, he was brilliant. So when you kind of when you meet footballers now, um which I guess you get perhaps a bit more opportunity to, um are you, is it still the same kind of awe? Because when I when I see a footballer doesn't really matter who they are. I'm just, I'm just in instantly in awe of them. Oh Is my that god! The same yeah, for you? totally. Yeah, massively. Um, like whenever I think I went to um, Fulham Luton at Luton on Boxing Day. Yeah. And I put a post about being there on uh, on Instagram after the match, and then Harry Cornick, their striker, who plays at Luton, who's a fan of the show, he. Um, messaged me on Instagram saying oh I scored against you today and that was just like for me out of any celebrity that's ever sort of said they like the show that was like oh that's amazing like you know professional footballer because it was something I always wanted to do I want growing up I wanted to be a footballer so it's like a it's a world that I'm not I'm not a part of but I wish I was and uh, I sort of put it on a pedestal I suppose yeah I did a couple of interviews with Fulham just as the show was coming out and met a couple of players there and it was just like yeah, the best thing is the best thing in the world. I just become you become like a kid again, I suppose. I think you're not a bad player, is that right? <laughs> no, I well, I've never played at any good standard. Um, I'm slow. I'm really weak, <laughs> but I I like to think I read the game. But it but <laughs> when you're as slow as I am, it just doesn't really count for much. But um, you played at at, at Fulham, though, haven't you? Is that right? Yeah, did a little five-a-side um, tournament at Fulham uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah. With, um, I was on the same team as Rufus Brevett and Barry Hales, which was, oh, <laughs> again, a dream come true. So it was a, it was a bit of linking up with Barry Hales, but um, yeah, I, don't, I think we came last, to be honest. Well, I remember um, a few years ago I played at, I think it was at Colchester's ground, um, and they had like yeah. two or three of their old players who were in their 50s, and they were massively fat. And um, Steve McGavin, I think it was, and Neil Gregory, who actually used to play for Ipswich, so I was a bit, in, you know, I was a bit starstruck with him. But oh, I remember God, I was—I yeah. must have been like mid twenties at the time, thinking, looking at these guys, thinking, look at the absolute state of these lot. Like I can, you know, I'm, I feel pretty fit at the moment. And yeah. never got to half time. Unfortunately, we had a full fifteen minutes because I wouldn't have been able to carry on the second half. Like they were just—they oh, didn't move. God. They didn't move. They were just pinging fifty-yard passes around. I'm chasing it around like a stupid Labrador yeah it's mental isn't it that's I mean they don't lose the, their touch and stuff it's so good yeah so if you could if you could swap your your current career um and and 
play for Fulham, would, would you? Oh, totally. 100%. In a heartbeat, yeah. That's a stupid question. Even to sit on the bench for Fulham, you know, not not even sit on the bench, just be in the squad. <laughs> a new substitute, okay, all right. Yeah. yeah, no, I get it. I get it definitely. So, just football shirts more generally. I hope you don't mind me saying, but I think you've you've been a, a cult kits customer in the past. So, um, and I, I think, yes, I think, absolutely. I think you know your your football shirts. What was the what was the first shirt you ever owned? First shirt I think was a Brazil home ninety five ninety six home shirt. I think that was. I felt. I remember buying. I had it for my birthday and feeling like so exotic. <laughs> And t- turning up to like my sort of local club t- training session and everyone being like, wow, where'd you get that from? Because it was so hard to get shirts back then. Well, it's not that hard, but it was, obviously there was, um, depending what sports shop you went to, they had a sort of small selection. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, always been obsessed with football shirts. Every time we go on holiday to France or wherever, just, you know, go to a local sports shop and try and get the most obscure one you can find. Yeah. And what, what in terms of obscure shirts... Which have you got that you think probably pretty unique in uh, in this country or Gloucestershire? Um, I've got. I remember my dad went to Holland on work and brought back a heron vein t-shirt, um, a football shirt. Yeah. Which was, it had sort of like red tulips on. That I sort. Of... Oh, I know the shirt. That's a lovely shirt. Yeah, it's great. It's, I cherish that for years. I don't know where it is now. Um, what else? Loads really. Yeah, re- obscure the better. I remember. Going on holiday to France, getting RC Lons. Yeah. I mean, they're quite. You see those shirts pop, um, come up quite a lot actually. Yeah. But they're sort of fairly iconic. Yeah. But um, yeah, just as many as that. And I'm sort of got back into it now recently, last couple of years. I remember seeing. Do you remember the Juventus '95-'96 shirt uh, with Sony the sponsor? Yeah. I think it was the. It wasn't the blue shirt. It was the black and white stripes. But um, I remember. S- sort of being six or seven and seeing that in a shopping arcade in the window and it came with like the Italian uh the, I think the, the Italian flag patch that you could iron on yourself yeah I remember thinking that was just the best thing ever like the fact it came, came with like an accessory that you could put on yourself um and that was a shirt that I always wanted growing up but never could never really afford it it was so much money and then recently, like a few months ago, I found it on eBay and bought it. <laughs> Just like living my childhood, which is sort of prophetic, but it's uh, important in times like these. I can remember the first time I actually had a kind of proper wage. I went to uh, Toys R Us to try and buy every piece of sabuti, every bit of sabuti I could possibly buy. I wanted the <sighs> stadium and everything, but they didn't sell it anymore. I was absolutely devastated. But that sabuti, was my first thought. Was the, yeah. I remember getting, yes, the beauty was my big, huge thing growing up. I used to play like genuine, like 90 minute matches no <laughs> with <way>. myself. <laughs> so I just alternate between the teams, which was just bizarre. But, um, but yeah, in the age, I loved the, getting the little stands and the little figures. Oh, yeah. I remember and then buying the floodlights as well, but they never, ever worked. Yeah. I swear we went through about five pet, like five lots of floodlights and then. They're always faulty. Yeah, and they just get in the way as well, don't they? Yeah, they do get in the way. <laughs> you end up taking them out anyway, so... But it's, I remember seeing on the boxes, like on the big Sabuto boxes, like the proper setup when you've got like the four stands, yeah. the crowd, the corner flags and everything, just thinking that was the pinnacle, that was a dream. You're talking there about um, going abroad as well and, um, you know, always trying to find a shirt. And obviously if you kind of went on holiday to sort of Spain or... You know, Greece. You could usually get some pretty good, um, 
kind of fake shirts as well. And I know fake, yeah. shirt, fake shirts, there was a fake shirt in this country, wasn't there, with Kerry's um, England shirt? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, the four lines on the, the shirt. four lines, yeah, which is incredible. Um, did you ever, was that ever something you, you used to do? Because that was definitely something I did as a kid. You'd always get something that looked sort of close enough. You'd be like, yep, that'll do. Oh, yeah, totally. Well, you could never afford the, you know, the proper strip. It was always what was, you know, what you could afford. Yeah. And going on holiday, they were everywhere, the fake shirts. So, yeah, I had loads of my time. But then you put them in the wash once and they just disintegrate, which is always quite annoying. But, um, oh, but, yeah, but... Especially in the 90s. I think growing up in the 90s was a, such a good era because the football shirts were really coming into their own and there was each one was so unique. I mean, I, I guess nowadays you get more sort of template shirts that loads of clubs have. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't feel as unique as it did in the 90s. And I don't know. And the colours and stuff, it was just like... I think, it, I mean, whatever era you grow up in is always going to be the one that means the most to you, but... It just, yeah, it feels unique, that era. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the 90s is just the golden era for football shirts, just because they were so weird. Like, the colours were so bright and the designs were yeah, just Yeah, totally. And every shirt seemed to be completely different. It didn't like, you know, you could, like Umbro had about 12 different designs just in the Premier League, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just really, it was just Absolutely. free-for-all, wasn't it? Yeah, much more fun. What's the kind of classic Fulham shirt, do you think? My, my favourite Fulham shirt ever... I think it's a bit of a controversial one. A lot of the old boys didn't like it, but it was a 2003, 2004, it was a Puma one with the um, one black sleeve and it had like a line running diagonally down. Oh, yeah. Um, and I f- that, yeah, that was like um, sort of Chris Coleman era. So we had sort of Inamoto and people like that. That was such a cool kit because that was so unique. And it was really baggy. Um, and also I loved the Pizza Hut shirt. <laughs> That was the first shirt we had in the Premier League. Yeah. And that was iconic. And it was, I think we had a new badge as well. But um, but a lot of the more traditional Fulham fans didn't like that. But yeah, love that. They've become so popular now, the kind of older older shirts. Um, why do you think that that is the case? Oh, I d- That's such a good question. I don't really know. I think it's like... I, th- I guess it's a, it's a sort of childhood thing as well. It's... It's because um, I've got a mate who's obsessed as well. And we were talking about this not long ago, trying to put a finger on it. I think, I don't know, I think it takes you back to a moment when you're falling in love with football. Um, I remember, like, again, in the 90s, watching Football Italia on Channel 4. Yeah. And that being, like, all the kits on that were just, like, the Fiorentina, you know, Nintendo shirts and um, Juventus shirts were always amazing. I just think, yeah, I don't know. It just... I can't quite put my finger on it. What, what would you say? Yeah, and no, I think you're right. I think it transports you back to a, a kind of moment in your in your past, really, that, that you have a particular fondness for. Um, and I, th- I think um, that, you know, it's interesting you talk about sponsors as well because this, you become wedded to these bizarre brands. Sometimes you don't even know what the hell <laughs> yeah. they do. But you just, yeah. you just sort of love the logos and they mean something to you. And uh, Oh, my God, totally... We did, a, we did a blog on the 10 best sponsors ever the other day. And the Nintendo, I think, was number one, actually. We picked it as number one. But there, was, there were things like... Do you remember the Sampdoria shirts of the sort of early 90s? So if you're talking football Italia oh. here. And it was ERG. And we were like, yeah, what the hell amazing. Is, what the hell is ERG? But you just... It's such a... The font is so iconic and those big yeah, kind of free so letters. What is ERG? 
I can't Do you know remember. what it is now? Yeah, it's it's the initials of a former club owner or something. I, I, I can't I can't remember exactly what it is off the top of my head, but it's something weird like that. And the yeah. the Dortmund shirt from the sort of early nineties with the um, D Continental. Um, yes. Again, didn't yeah. know, I had to Google what it was, and it's some kind of health insurance company. But it's just bizarre because the, the the logo is so beautiful and so intrinsically linked to the shirt and that era. Oh yeah, totally. I just and then do you know what? I think a lot of it because I used to love collecting the Panini football stickers. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like during like major tournaments, and I think it's just a grown-up version of that. I suppose that's more acceptable. You can't be buying kids stickers when you're sort of thirty. But um, can you? Can you? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I did for the I did for the last World Cup, but I didn't tell anyone. So. <laughs> football manager, am I right? Thinking you're a football manager fan as well. Yeah, love it. How it's, how um, obsessed are we talking? Oh my god! Wait, well, it's it's been. I've actually had to stop last couple of days because my girlfriend was going mental. But <laughs> this lockdown it is is genuinely saved me. Yeah, it's just like totally consumed me because I can't. I don't think about anything else. I'm just like. It's the best time waster of all time. Yeah. Um, but I've always played it, really, on and off for, like, 15 years, I suppose. Like, um, started with the championship manager stuff, and then, yeah, and then it got a bit more detail with the football manager. But um, I've currently... I've taken Peru, Perugia in Serie B. I've taken them into the Champions League in three seasons. Wow. <laughs> and that's the best thing I've ever done. But trying to explain to my, my girlfriend and her mum, they don't really understand. <laughs> so, the problem is you've got nothing to show for it. You know, you can, you, you know, you spend 10 seasons with a club and win everything, but then you sort of, you log out and then suddenly your life feels so empty. So it's such a strange... It is. St- strange uh, difference, but... This last week I've been playing the game, I've been trying to sort of ration the games to sort of like sort of three, four games a day. So I'm really thinking about my tactics and my formation. And I'm doing what I do, which is really pathetic, is do like imaginary um, manager interviews in my head. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> like post, like pre-match interviews and, you know, <laughs> what team I'm going to pick, who I'm going to leave out, who I'm going to give a chance to. You, your football knowledge is suddenly amazing. Like, you know all these details about these players, like their height, what they weigh, how quick they are. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Chad, just a, one final thing. So, it's definitely the end of this country, or are we? Is there any chance of us seeing any specials or another series? Yeah, well, I think in terms of series, I think that's def- definitely the last. I think it was just, I think it was just hard to sustain the show. I think about a village where nothing happens, like trying to keep coming up with ideas that you know felt interesting, exciting, was just really difficult doing the third series, but. Never say never. I think, yeah, I mean, we'd love to come back for a Christmas special or possibly a film later down the line. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think we'll start and we're just quite keen to write something new. Sort of, We've got a few ideas for stuff. But, um, but yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll come back, definitely. Um, any projects you're working on at the moment or in the pipeline? It's all really early days, but um, no, nothing. I mean, yeah, nothing concrete, but um, just using, just playing football manager at the moment. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I should be writing, but I just can't be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> Buying football shirts and football manager. Yeah, yeah well, that's time well spent, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Well, Charlie, thanks ever so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you for having me. I know you've got some pre-match interviews to get to, so I, uh, I won't <laughs> yeah. take up any more of your time. A huge um, game. 
massive thank you to Charlie Cooper. Um, it was great to talk to him today. Um, and we'll be back again soon. In the meantime, if you've got any questions for us or things you'd like us to talk about in the future on future episodes, just email us at info at uh, or find us on uh, Twitter or Instagram at Colt Kits. Take care.